The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Rokosheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Blue Cliff Record, Case 54. Omon stretches out his hands and goes introduction, penetrating beyond birth and death, actualizing Zen spirit, casually shearing iron and cutting through nails everywhere covering heaven and earth. Whose practice is this? Main subject. Umon asked a monk, where have you recently come from? The monk said, from Saizen, Umon said, what is Saizen saying these days? The monk stretched out his hands. Umon struck him. The monk said, I still have something to tell you. Umon now stretch out his own hands. The monk was silent. Umon struck him. Secho's verse. Controlling the head and tail of the tiger. Exerting invincible influence over the 400 provinces. At the final question, he didn't respond. How dangerous. One further word. I leave it open.
second day of our whole and anniversary session. We say this is our anniversary session, counting from when we moved into what I still think of as the new place, 19 years ago. So next year, we will be marking 40th anniversary at Daibosatsu and 20th anniversary here. But of course, our Sangha at Hoenji goes way back. How far back? Where have you recently come from? <laughs> and the weather this session. When it's sunny, you know it's going to rain. <laughs> when it's raining, you know it's going to be beautiful. When it's warm, you know it's going to be cold. When it's cold, you know it's going to be so nice. These vicissitudes have a certain familiarity, don't they? What's going on in our minds? Oh, that was such a great, oh, this is hard. Oh. So really, this weekend, we can thoroughly agree with the saying, don't like the weather? Wait a minute. Don't like your life? Wait a minute. Soon gone. But who believes that? few old codgers. <laughs> of course, there is absolutely nothing to like or dislike in these changes, right? But with our usual way of seeing things, we do have preferences. Oh, it's so nice, look. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and so if we are one with this flowing breath, this one where has it come from? If we are just one with it, then truly no problem. As we heard yesterday, no more worry about your not being perfect. 
you as what you consider your imperfect self could not be more wonderful. Many people disagree with that. These imperfections themselves course we try to seize the good, seize what we like. Therefore we make it bad. We make it what we don't like. It's our doing. And you know this from anyone sitting, right? Pain comes. <laughs> Pain gets worse. And eventually you just finally get to a point where you say, bring it on, baby. And then you find out that there is no What was that? Where'd it go? Oh, here it is. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be here without my suffering. What would it be for? So today we have a koan that features one of the great giants of Zen Chan, Umon Bunen. And he was the founder of the Umon school which did not last so long. I think it was about um, just after Secho's generation that it died out. Secho, of course, is the poet and compiler of Hekiganroku Blue Cliff Record. So his teachings were like the man, fierce and in every possible way cutting through delusions, cutting through metaphysical thought, cutting through conception of what? This is. Umon is in the five koans in the Mumon Khan, the gateless barrier, and 18 cases of the Blue Cliff Records. So this is case 54. 
And in the Zen world, quote unquote, he's considered one of the great poets. But his poetic expression is without refinement. It's not flowery. It is abrupt, sharp, direct. Sometimes just one word. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the question, what is Buddha? And how did Umon reply? Kanshiketsu, which means wiping stick, or someone Roshi put it in a more polite way, piece of toilet paper. <coughs> what is Buddha? Another one occurs in case eight of this Blue Cliff collection, Swigon's eyebrows. All Umon says to the question, have my eyebrows grown, is con, con, barrier. You might say, what kind of poetry is that? I like writing poetry. Con? And I'll give you an example of some of his uh, teaching style. Someone asked, I heard a teaching that speaks of the purity of all-encompassing wisdom. What is that purity like? Umon spat on him. <laughs> Undeterred, the questioner continued. about the teaching method of the old masters. Something beyond spit, right? Umon said, come here. Cut off your feet. Replace your skull. And take away the spoon and chopsticks from your bowl. Now pick up your nose. The monk asked, <laughs> what kind of teaching methods are these? Omon said, you windbag. So that's a little taste. He was born just three years before the death of Rinzai, 864, the year of his birth, 
late in the Tang Dynasty. And as many of you have probably heard or read, this was a time of great political turbulence from mid-840s, there was government persecution of Buddhism. Many monks and nuns were forced to return to secular life. Temples, monasteries were sacked and burned. And quite a few people disappeared into the hills. The hills in China, how many feet? 10,000, 15,000. And I know that we have shown the wonderful film amongst white clouds here. We should show it again soon. So these hermits continuing to today. This tradition of going into the deep mountains So excuse me, I just went there. <laughs> I have no idea what I was going to say. Yeah. So if you ask one of these people about the cultural revolution, cultural revolution, What's that? Well, Mao said, religion is poison. Who's Mao? This is really remarkable, you know, because we're all so um, plugged in that we can't even conceive of what it might be like to have spent the last few decades in a cave at 15,000 feet. That session. Well, anyway, Umon, like many masters of his day, as a young man trained with a Vinaya teacher, that's the teachings on the precepts. And at uh, the age of 25, he went to a hermit named Bokshu. Bokshu was, or had been, the head monk at Rinzai's place. 
Remember the head monk who encouraged Rinzai to go to Doksan with Obaku? I know some of you know that story. Just ask him, what is the quintessential matter of Buddha Dharma? Anyway, Bokshu, Bokshu returned to his home village when his mother took ill and left monastic life and became a recluse, was a sandal maker in that little village. Somehow people found out about him. And he had a fairly steady stream of visitors. He didn't suffer fools lightly. He didn't suffer anyone lightly. Students would come. He would open the door. Speak, speak. The student would, ah, ah. So Umon came. Who is it? It's Umon. What do you want? I'm not clear about myself. Please give me your instruction. Umon went back the next day. Same thing. He went back on the third day. But he was crafty. What did he do? Stuck his foot in the door so he couldn't be shut out this time, right? Same thing happened, right? Bokshu. Only this time, Umon's foot was in the doorway. And crash! Broke the foot. And at that, great awakening. Self nature is no nature. So, he stayed for a while with Bokshu. Bokshu is quite old. So he said to Umon, you need to go to Seppo's place. Seppo had about a thousand monks training under him. And almost from the very beginning, Umon and Seppo had great affinity. And he stayed on and became Seppo's Dharma heir. Then he went to Mount Umon, where he taught from the age of 64 until his death at 85. 
So today's case, we have the introduction by Engel. Engel Kokogon Zenji, who lived about 100 years after Secho and gave us introductions to the cases and some comments, some notes. So in his introduction, he says, penetrating beyond birth and death, actualizing Zen spirit, casually shearing iron and cutting through nails, as casually, no big deal for most of us to cut through some thick sheet of iron or old heavy nails is quite something. So this refers to Uman. This refers to his ability to see directly and cut through all delusions. Iron, nails, these are the complexities of our lives, day-to-day -day existence, entanglements, and simply cutting through for those lucky students who came to him with great courage, willing to be freed up from all of their ideas. It takes great courage to be willing to be liberated. Who can liberate you? It makes it sound as though Uman can. Be careful. So cutting. No, does it work or not? No, does it have or not? Beyond birth and death. Beyond yes and no. Covering heaven and earth. That means vast, beyond vastness. Nowhere is it not this teaching. Or as we heard in Faith in Mind when we chanted that yesterday, one in all. This everywhere, throughout every single phenomenon, never apart always revealing right here in you as you are. But, but what? We don't believe it. This is why it's titled, this poem by Soosan Zenji is titled, Faith in mind, or unbelieving in mind. 
Can someone give that to you? Can you buy faith? <laughs> Indulgences, maybe. But this is the persistence that is required to do this practice, to realize you have to give everything up to have this faith grow within, to trust. You have to give up all your belief in something in order for this belief to manifest. So, woe is a wonderful way. Give it up, 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 give it up. Another good mantra. Just let it go. Something wonderful occurs to you? Forget about it. This is like constant windshield wipers, right? <laughs> oh, wait a minute, I like that leaf. <laughs> so the main subject, Uman asked a monk, where have you recently come from? Now this is a key question for all of us, isn't it? Where have you come from? So many koans ask this. Are you caught up in some relative place or time? When did you leave there? When did you get here? Oh, Thursday, about 6.30. What is the origin of your journey? When did your journey begin? Do you know where it's taking you? Umon is asking, where have you come from? Not looking for particulars, right? But as in faith in mind, as in that poem, beyond quickening time and extending space. Beyond the clock, beyond the map. Where is that? Hmm? We're here. Right here. Right here. So the monk answers from Saizen, pragmatically enough, right? Literal answer, matter of fact mind. And all monks in such cases do answer that way. And all of us 
also answer that way. Unless we're being self-consciously Zen. <laughs> oh, I come from boundlessness. <laughs> and I go to the vastness beyond. <laughs> Please. There's a well-known case in the gateless barrier, case 15, Oman himself, again, asks Tozan, where are you from? From Sato. Where were you during the summer? Giving him another chance, right? I was at Hozu, south of the lake. When did you leave there? August 25th, 60 blows. So the next day, Tozan went back and said, yesterday you said 60 blows. Where was I at fault? You rice bag. What makes you wander about west of the river, south of the lake? At that, Tozan had a mighty realization you might ask yourself this in your zazen. What makes you wander about? It's very helpful. Just in the middle of wherever you've wandered off to. What makes you wander about? West of the river, south of the lake. And Rinzai, in his cross-examinations, Chapter 2, the master asked a monk, where are you from? The monk shouted, hey, oh, boundlessness. The master signaled him to sit down. The monk was going to speak. The master hit him. And... How about also another case, Rinzai, Record of Pilgrimages, chapter 15. Rinzai now is on pilgrimage, and he goes to see Suiho. Suiho asks, where are you from? OK, now it's Rinzai being asked, right? Naturally, Rinzai replies, from Obaku, my teacher Obaku, Obaku's place. Suiho asks, what words and phrases does Obaku use to guide his monks? Rinzai replies, Obaku does not have any words or phrases. Suiho, why not? Rinzai, even if he had any, I wouldn't know how to speak of them. Suiho, just tell me. Rinzai said, the arrow has soared all the way to the western heavens. 
given it all. Where have you been? So, here, Umons, where are you from? And this Rinzai and Suiho are very similar. The next question Umon asks is, what is Saizen saying? What words and phrases does he use? Same question, right? Suiho asks. What is his teaching? How does he guide his monks? How does he convey his Zen? And how do you convey his meaning? What is Saizen saying these days? There's another part of the Book of Rinzai where this is also in the record of pilgrimages. Seeing a monk coming, Rinzai spread his arms. The monk was silent. Rinzai asked, do you understand? The monk said, no, I don't. Rinzai said, Kanron, which is uh, like the original undifferentiated chaos of the origin of the universe. Kanron can't be comprehended. I give you two coins. In other words, here's two cents. Not worth very much, right? He doesn't even give him a hint. So this monk too, this monk who is being questioned by Umon, When Umon asks him, what is Saizen saying these days? This monk, too, stretches out his hands. Quite a remarkable response. Try it, everybody. What's that feel like? I can only hear you if you speak loudly. So three people have spoken. I've only heard slight, <laughs> slight possible. Everything. E everything. It feels like everything. Somebody else? Expansive. Expansiveness. Somebody else? Vulnerable. 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 
Anyone else? Wordless. Hmm? Wordless. Wordless. Hmm? Welcoming. Oh, these are wonderful. Wordless, welcoming, open, vulnerable. All these other things you said, expand. How do you usually feel? Relaxed. Very good. Very good. Much more like this. This is, uh, you know, our body language. Sometimes we don't manifest it so much, but we can feel it very subtly when we're sitting, how the shoulders come down and come toward each other, right? A slight uh, curve in the upper back. A feeling of uh, kind of being contained within a shell. And you had said vulnerable, right? This protective shell. A kind of uh, self-absorption, um, feeling like you're circumscribed, that you've been holding, maybe you're holding all your narratives about yourself very closely. And what happens when we don't even notice that? You know, we're walking around in our daily lives that way. And we wonder why there's a problem with communication. We wonder why we feel so tired. We wonder why we are filled with aches and pains of all sorts. It's really quite amazing in session, you know, because we're now, this is the afternoon of the second day, there's some kind of shift that takes place where we feel instead of these lurking upside down views that seem to direct our day-to-day -day conduct, that something has righted. You may have noticed even in the midst of, of pain or emotional turbulence, that there's some writing R-I-G-H-T that, you know, it's so simple. Session is so simple, right? A bell wakes us up. Bells and clappers tell us what to do. We get the pattern. It doesn't take long. If you don't know what we're chanting, someone next to you does. It's not a big deal, right? You sit, and then the bell rings, you get up. Or maybe you don't. <laughs> this is, you know, it just clears everything away. And all that extraneous stuff that starts falling away 
at the same time, that's happening without even realizing it. Your posture changes. And as your posture changes and your mind, same, right? Body, mind, hello. Pain comes and goes, but it's not a big deal. Do you not believe me? Really, you've experienced it, I'm sure. It's there, like everything else. And sometimes it rains, and sometimes the sun comes out. Pain comes, pain goes. But there's this expansiveness, right? And compared to the usual state of constriction, you can breathe, right? You can really breathe. And this is what I mean about cultivating faith. This is cultivating faith because you experience it in your own body. So it's nothing you have to learn from someone else. Someone said that when this person first came and heard the Diamond Sutra about not falling back to cherishing an ego entity, a personality, a being, or a separated individuality, the truth of that was We don't have to fall back. Oh, the clocks may. But that's just so with our arms wide open, this gesture, feeling this gesture. This is Zen practice. This is taking your practice into your daily life. So it's quite an impressive response from this monk. And you can also think of it as one person already said, wordless, right? What is Saizen saying these days? How shall I know? <laughs> right? Wordless. What is there to know? He doesn't have any words. How can Zen be taught? Would be another interpretation, unfortunately. You understand why, unfortunately? That's what we do. Oh, I'll interpret that. Okay? Wide open. All can send be taught, right? Yeah. But in any way, you get it, some sort of positive sense of negation. This vast, Hakuin said uh, about this monk, he's no ordinary man. He's a tough guy. 
It was quite a response he gave Omon. But watch out, because this is Umon. See? Engel, in a note to this case, says, he took in a thief and got his house ransacked, this monk. So Umon hit him. What about this hit? Very often, I think, when we hear about someone using a stick, hitting an, a monk, we think, oh, too bad for that monk, right? But what about this hit? This monk. Does that look like a sleep to you? What about this hit? This is really this wonderful intimacy, encouragement. All right, keep going. Let's see what else you've got. Like slapping somebody, an old towel on the back. Hmm? All right. <laughs> Makes a better sound, too. So, all right, there's a kind of approval that we sense in this hit, all right? And at the same time, Umon is depriving this monk of even the nothing that he has given. Right? It's not saying, okay, good, you can stay there. Nobody likes that, though. This is what I've discovered in Doksan. <laughs> I want, I want, I want. <laughs> Deprivation. <laughs> His house is ransacked. This, of course, is another way of showing this. Holding fast, Umon is quite renowned for holding fast. So what will the monk do? There's an invitation, right? This hit is an invitation. Okay? Engo said regarding this blow, a fleeting chance is hard to meet with. It's a fleeting opportunity. How many fleeting chances have you run from? Thinking, oh, my, oh, that's horrible, oh. If not for that blow, I would really get it. No. <laughs> this is your life. But everybody's waiting for something cushy. <laughs> Point is, you've got everything you need, right? Whatever you're dealing with. You don't like it? Congratulations. 
Zen is very exciting. Have you noticed? <laughs> Even if we use the word mindful, you know, wake up, be mindful, don't leave the light on. All right? It's not like, be mindful. So then the monk says, I still have something to tell you. It's very interesting. This counter challenge to being struck, to being encouraged to go from no words to what? From no knowing to to speaking, to acting freely, to doing, coming from this. And what? Oman says, <laughs> okay. So the monk is still in the game. I still have something to tell you. You can see it another way, though. You can see it from your own experience when you go to Doksan and what you have brought, this beautiful shining treasure that you have brought <laughs> is just <laughs> Wait a minute. I still have something. That you didn't get it. Wait a minute. No, that was the right answer. You didn't understand my answer. <laughs> when are you going to understand how right I am? Everybody wants some vindication, which makes it worse. Oh, yes. I still have something to tell you. I got your hit. And now I have something to tell you. Then what happens? Omar stretches out his hands. Let's see what you've got to say. What was that something you wanted to tell me? Engo's comment, danger. <laughs> the monk is being given an excellent mount, but he doesn't know how to ride it. So he sees Uman stretching out doing the same gesture. Is it the same? 
just taken aback. This is where the monk loses it. Unable to come back at Umog, says, monk was silent. Here, not the great silence, but just like, uh, uh. And now, another strike. This hit hmm, dismisses him. The encounter is over. So let's look at the verse. Controlling the head and tail of the tiger. So you can imagine Uman here, right? He's got the head and he's also got the tail. This monk. Can't move. And Engo says, the single-edged sword that kills people, the double-edged sword that brings people to life. Wonderful saying that cuts into one. Ingo also says, when the, monk an, when the monk extended his two hands and Umon immediately hit him, this was occupying the tiger's head. When Umon extended two hands and the monk was speechless and Umon hit him again, this was taking the tiger's tail. Okay, So we have this koan neatly summed up. The monk. I want to hit him. Head. Oman. Monk was speechless. Hit him again. Tail. Anything interesting out there? Right. Yes? Right. Come in. Find a seat. The next line of the verse, exerting invincible influence over the 400 provinces. Well, this is simply saying, Umon Zen spirit extends everywhere. The wind of his teaching blows throughout the entire universe. Secho is simply admiring. Omon's power. At the final question, this is the third line, at the final question, he didn't respond. How dangerous. When we are asked the final question of our lives, What is our response?
What is the final question? At the end of your life, if someone asks you, what have you done? Can you answer? What have you done with this rare and precious human incarnation? Monk froze. And Secho ends his verse as himself, not speaking about Umon, so he puts it in quotation marks. One further word, I leave it open. He leaves it for you to respond. Akuin said, this is the secret of the Umon school inherited by Secho. There is no explanation. If we can meet our lives this way, this way, seeking no explanation, then we can, at the final question, respond. When is the final question? 